Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. How can you even add to the pricelessness of a mother? It's a difficult thing to do. And I will do the best that I can today to encourage you, to help lead you to that place that I'm sure many moms, especially young moms, might be asking themselves, how can I become a successful mom? As difficult as it is to be a mom, there are those who indeed have made it a success. I like to read this. It never gets old to me. It might get old to some of you, and maybe not for those who have not heard this, but I love certain, an illustration that I read years ago because it actually is very real, as funny as it is. It begins with a question, or rather a statement. It says, you know you're a mother when? You know you're a mother when? And the things it mentions are quite funny, yet... You will relate to these. You know you're a mother when you want to take out a contract on the kid who broke your child's favorite toy. You know you're a mother when you only have time to shave one leg. You know you're a mother when you hide in the bathroom just to be alone. You know that you're a mother when your child throws up and without hesitation you catch it with your hand. You know you're a mother when somebody else's kid throws up and you keep eating. You know you're a mother when you can't bear the thought of your son's first girlfriend and you hate the thought even more of she becoming his wife. You know you're a mother when you use your own saliva to clean your baby's face. Oh, but true. You know you're a mom when at least once a day you say to yourself, I'm not cut out for this job, but you know deep in your heart you wouldn't trade it for anything. The special if you will, of a mom. Again, I say to you this morning, this is a difficult time for me after many, many years of standing in front of the council of the church and try to say something meaningful, so I'll do my best and I'll be brief. I spoke to a brother just yesterday. I said uh, he wasn't going to be here today. And he said, I'm not going to be able to be there to, uh, tomorrow, one of our leaders pastor i said that's okay uh it's probably going to be a brief service anyways mother's day and he laughed i said why do you laugh (laughs) he said because you said it's going to be a brief service you do nothing brief pastor (laughs) i said it made me laugh but yet again truth hits me right where where it hurts 
It takes me beyond my capabilities, if you will, to express thanks to a mom. How do you do justice to the vessel that God used to bring you into this world? How do you make or give more value to the already unmatchable worth of a mom? It's always good to remind them, though, those godly women in your lives. And the way to do that many times is by simply going into the Word and finding out that we have several examples in Scripture of women who, again, just like you today, had it difficult being moms. Tremendous trials and challenges in their lives. Unspeakable hurts and pains they went through, some of them. But yet, in spite of it all, God valued them enough to inscribe their names upon the pages of this book of life and give them to us as an example that we should emulate the things that they've done in order for us to, to be a success as God saw them to be a success. We must always mention, and we do often from this pulpit as we preach to you, the mother of Moses who cared so much for Moses that she broke the law in order to teach him and keep him alive. She didn't fear her own life as she surrendered the separation of her son all for the sake of saving his life, casting him off into a raging river. We see the sacrificial love of the mother who appeared before King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. You remember that woman, and it speaks to us of two who had babies. And one of them during the night rolled over and suffocated her baby, and he died in the morning. When that woman recognized that her baby was dead, she moved over to the neighbor and she put that dead baby of hers in her bosom and she took the living one. And when this woman woke up, she recognized it was not her own. And to add to such pain, he wasn't breathing. And so they went before the king. And Solomon, known as the wise king, said to himself and to them, he said, well, this problem is very easy. All we have to do is cut the baby in half. So there's, there's an argument over this child. Cut the baby in half and you take half and she takes half. And instantly, the mother to whom this baby really belongs said, no, king. Don't hurt the child. Give him to this woman. And the king automatically knew that it was her child. But she was willing to be separated from that baby for the sake of his well-being. We have the mother of James and John who loved her boy so much that she was a little apprehensive and forward in asking Jesus to allow her sons to sit at their right and left side of the Messiah, doing anything she could and that she would to see their success. 
And of course, the very popular mother of King Lemuel, whom we read about so much on Mother's Day in Proverbs 31, who showed his son the character and qualities of a good wife. For some of us in this house, I know next to the celebration and the rejoicing that people may want to bring to your life, it may be difficult for some of you. There might be someone in this house today who wants to be a mother, but has had it difficult to have that experience. Perhaps some of you have not had the best mother. And the memories that this day brings you are not so pleasant because of the suffering that you went through while at home with your mother. Some of you have had your mother go off into eternity and you have her not today. And so this day is a solemn day for you at the same time during the rejoicing because you remember the mother that you loved. For some moms here this morning, perhaps you've suffered the loss of a child. And while you hear everyone offering you the celebrating words of Happy Mother's Day, your heart is cut all over again as you remember that one child that you aren't able to hold in your arms anymore. Some mothers possibly this morning are suffering the pain of a wayward child, a child who has rebelled and possibly has not spoken to you, someone who possibly ran away or took off somewhere, separating himself as he somehow disengaged himself from the connection of mother and son or daughter. And still there are others who have fit and have been forced to fit both positions of father and mother as a single parent. You try to be the father to instill upon them those things that only a father can instill and you embrace motherhood ever so strong to be able to enforce them and encourage them as well. Whatever your circumstance might be this morning, I want you to know that the Lord loves you and honors you today as we do as well. All the men say amen. In the Bible, we have testimonies of mothers who lost children, were abandoned by husbands, suffered the pain of being barren, Women who were demeaned socially, women suffering the pain of having a wayward child and all the things that I have mentioned. And it's easy to read about the lives of any one of these women we pick and get involved in their sufferings and their pains. But this morning I choose not to do so. I don't want us to look at their sufferings and their pains, but I want them to I want us to look at what made them great. How they survived the challenges that they were brought into. What was it that made them overcome their trials? 
Again, I say to you, being a mom is not easy at all. It has never been. But though it has never been easy, still there are many who have made it a success. And because of that, the world that we live in is a better place. And we have you to thank for that. I want us to look at a couple of things that I believe jumps out at us as we look at the lives of these particular women. And hopefully somehow I can encourage you to emulate and to do what they did. Because I believe that all of the ladies in this house desire to be a successful mom. Amen? And we as men desire them to be successful as well. So what is it that is needed in order for a mom to become priceless? To become victorious, to become a success? Number one is an unrelenting hope. A mother that is going to make it well through this world. Who's going to succeed and everything she possibly can has to make sure that every morning she takes inventory of the hope she has in God. She has to look at her heart every morning and find out that her heart is filled with unrelenting hope in the God she calls Savior. These are women whom in whatever position or circumstance they may find themselves in, they never cease or waver regardless of what they experience. As such was Sarah, the mother of Isaac. The Bible introduces her to us as she is in a barren stage because of age. And you remember the story and how the Lord visited Abraham that day and came with a covenant in mind to give this older family, if you will, a son of covenant. And while the Lord, the angel of the Lord, met with the men outside the tent, there was Sarah washing dishes or doing something and listening to what the conversation was. And the angel of the Lord said, this time next year, Abraham... I'm going to give you a son. You're going to have a son. And what Sarah did, you all know the story. She laughed aloud. <laughs> I don't think she was making fun of Abraham, or maybe she was. Women seldom make fun of themselves. But she laughed. And that was a laugh of impossibility. I'm absolutely sure that she doubted that could ever happen for that moment. And the reason I know that is because the Lord immediately spoke to that laughter and spoke to her by saying, is there anything impossible for the Lord? The Lord interpreted that laugh as, no way. It'll never happen. Are you kidding me? I'm beyond bearing age. And the Lord spoke to her. He said, is there anything impossible? And what the Lord did, it blew up her hope because the Bible says at the same time, the following year, it would be Sarah that would be laughing for a different reason. 
she would be laughing because she had a son. And the Bible says that at that moment, she received strength. In the address of the Lord, she, she received that hope that she needed to have from that moment on. She hoped in God. She looked away from herself all of a sudden in her barrenness and her age and banked on what God said and the fulfillment of his promise. It didn't come easy for Sarah. Not easy at all. And I know that bearing children and raising children doesn't come easy at all. But I dare you to trust God. I challenge you to hope in God. And I believe like Sarah, as the passage says in Genesis 21 and 6, God has made me to laugh. That is, God filled my heart with hope. God filled my heart with joy. And she gives God the glory for the child. Woman who hope in the Lord will always rejoice in the Lord. He will never abandon or leave them behind or cause them to be dismayed. When you have hope, you learn to look away from the troubles and miseries and obstacles of life that seem to make your future bleak. It keeps us from paying attention on the negative things and puts our eyes and our heart focused on our hope in God. Your hope will make all the difference on whether you move forward successfully or not. It's a difficult thing at times, but you need to hold on to your hope. The next thing that will make a woman priceless, a mother priceless, is the measure of her commitment to this God. That is, she is unwavering. It is a woman who serves the Lord today and will serve the Lord tomorrow. Who isn't that woman who one day gets excited and the other day she's in the dumps. But that she's committed in and out to serve the Lord every day of her life. We've seen in Scripture that commitment has raised the value of motherhood to a priceless level. Such as, again, the mother of Moses. We can never exclude her when we speak good about women of God. Her commitment to God, trusting in God, she was able to believe on him. During that time when Pharaoh was killing the children, it was a perfect time. I can imagine how many women surrendered and turned their lives around for the sake of offering their sons to this Pharaoh. But it wouldn't be that way with Moses' mother. Her commitment was not to surrender or retreat. In her heart, she committed her children unto the Lord. And she may have said in her mind, as maybe you may have said, or certainly you should say, 
as we see how this world today is running after our young people in such a ravenous way. Amen? Our young people. Trying to destroy the hearts of our children in such a powerful way. But I'm sure that Moses' mother must have said in her heart, this king may kill all the other children, but he will not kill my son. And I believe that God looks for mothers today, ladies and gentlemen, who will stand in the gap in their commitment to God to declare that this world will not take their children. I believe God is looking for mothers with the same commitment as the mother of Moses. Who aren't afraid to fight for our kids, ladies and gentlemen. Men and women. Again, I say to you, this generation is running and spiraling downward so fast. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. We see it in the news. We see all this, how people, young people are rebelling against God. And they're all being trained now in our universities to not believe in him, to believe better in some kind of evolutionary idea or even in just simple godliness, period. We have now the, of how we're speaking about gender, we're speaking about all these things. And we have them all saying, yes, I believe and trust in that. I wonder often when I see these kids rebel on television, I say, where are the parents? Where is mom? How I believe in my heart that God is looking for mothers just like Moses' mother, willing to go beyond her comfort zone, unafraid to mess up her nails, unafraid to mess her hair up, unafraid to be criticized by the neighbors. But someone willing to stand in the gap for their children. Hannah, the mother of Samuel, was another woman that we can look at briefly. This woman wanted a son, and she wanted a son so bad she had this commitment with God, and she established a covenant that if you give me a son, I will give you this son to serve you. And if you'll read this story, you'll find out how she mourned and how she cried. But then one day, the Lord, the Bible says, remembered her and gave you this son, Samuel. And she was committed enough to take this boy and surrender him in the house of God. And it brings to mind something else. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is by no means a rebuke, but a word of awareness. She took her son to the church and surrendered him to serve the Lord. Let me tell you what spurs in my mind because I see it daily. I can imagine what Hannah went through. It must have hurt her somewhat, but she was committed to God to give her son to God to serve him. She offered her son to him. She would not go with her husband to the days of the Passover and these things, the sacrifice. She would not show herself until God allowed her baby to be weaned and grow up because the moment she went into the house of God, she was going to fulfill her commitment. She was going to give her son to the Lord. 
And you know what I think of today, ladies and gentlemen? That there's hardly any parents, and I speak to both dad and mom, who are giving their children to God anymore. We are so quick to give our children to great professions. We are so quick to give our kids to Hollywood. We are so quick to surrender our kids to our sports. Uh, let them run. Run as fast as you can, son. Run as fast as you can, honey. Go out there and get it. Go and, and embrace those things. Go become that basketball player. Go become that football player. Go become that star. Go become that singer. Go become, and they're surrendering the children. While the church is bankrupt of such offerings unto the Lord like that. Hmm. Run as fast as you can. Go and become all you can be. I'm not saying that success is a bad thing. Praise God. God wants us to prosper. But the Bible does tell us what will it profit a man to become the greatest athlete, the greatest star, the greatest singer, the greatest attorney, the greatest this, the greatest scientist, the greatest engineer, and yet lose your soul. Hannah and Moses' mom said, no, we are committed to God. And if our kids are going to be offered to someone, they will first be offered unto the Lord. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that on that day, their greatest praise will not go to some basketball league. Their greatest praise won't go to some baseball league. Their greatest praise will not go when they make it to the Dove Awards or they make it to the red carpet in Hollywood. But their greatest praise will be, I praise the name of the Lord. Yeah. Priceless. Priceless. There was an illustration that I read again years ago and and I like it simply because again as funny as it may be it does bring us to a very valuable point of which I'm speaking about this one is simply called the meanest mother in the world maybe you've read this before we had the meanest mother in the world while other kids ate candy for breakfast we had to have cereal eggs and toast when others had Pepsi and Twinkies for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. And you can guess our mother fixed us dinner. That was different from all other kids, too. Mother insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You think we were convicts in a prison. She had to know who our friends were and what we were doing with them. She insisted that if we said we would be gone for an hour, we would be gone for an hour or less. We were ashamed to admit it, but she had the nerve to break the child labor laws by making us work. We had to wash dishes and make the beds and learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, and all sorts of cruel jobs. 
I think she would lie awake at night just thinking of more things for us to do. She always insisted on us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, she could read our minds, this woman. Then life was really tough. Mother wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. They had to come up to the door so she could meet them. While everyone else could date when they were 12 or 13, we had to wait until we were 18. Because of our mother, we missed out on a lot of things other kids experience. None of us have ever been caught shoplifting, vandalizing other people's property, or ever arrested for any crime. It was her fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking, stayed out all night, or a million other things other kids did. Sundays were reserved for church, and we never missed once. We knew better than to ask to spend the night with a friend on Saturdays for sure. Now that we have left home, we're all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We are doing our best to be mean parents just like my mom was. I think that that's what the world needs. I said, this is what the world needs. Mean moms. Not crying moms after they let their children go. And only to find with great regret that the lives they're leading are away from God. You know enough about heaven and hell to let your, God, your kids go on their own. How long should we do this? They're 18. You know how old my children are going to be when I stop being their father? 2,000. I'll stop being their father when the Lord lays me down to rest. And I promise you that the memory of my lessons to them will remain in them forever. Mom, let us be a little bit more mean with our children for our children's sake. Fight for their lives. Give God first draft choice. Did you hear that, sports fanatics? Give God first draft choice. Give God the first auditions choice. Let him pick let him choose them to use them. Make sure that their education includes theology. That schooling begins at home. The study and knowledge of God. Finally, this morning, nothing makes a mother priceless as does true inner beauty. When you're pretty on the inside. Proverbs 31 and 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I love to read this passage of scripture. When the angel of the Lord came and found Mary. And spoke to her how God had chosen her. In the sixth month, Luke 1 and 26 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. Can you imagine? Think for a moment. You are highly favored by God. The Lord is with you. You see, here's the deal. Please allow me to speak to you a little bit. That statement, highly favored, is a very mentioned and coined saying. Oh, how are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. And it sounds great. Because you're talking about yourself. Can I preach to you this morning? Are the men listening this morning? How you doing? Oh, I'm highly favored. That's because you're talking about yourself. The question of the hour is, what does God say? Here, it's not Mary. He didn't say, Mary, how you doing? Oh, I'm highly favored. He went and told her, Mary, you are highly favored. I've got a message to you from God. God saw something in you that he has commissioned me to come tell you he sees beauty in you. You are appealing to him. He found favor in you. He likes something about you. He's got his eye on you. Now, let me just say to you, I don't know if Mary was pretty. Neither do you. Now, we've seen all the pictures. She looks pretty nice. We've seen the statutes. She's girly. Little nose, pink cheeks. But I don't know if she was pretty or not. I don't know if she was cute, good looking. I don't know. She was big. She was skinny, shapely, whatever you want to categorize her as. I don't know. I don't know if she wore the latest makeups. I don't know if she wore the latest dresses. If she wore the latest hairstyles or jewelries of her day, I don't know. But because I know God, and you should know God, I know what God looks at when he's looking for a girl. I know what God looks at when he's looking for a guy. All I know is that day we have witnessed that whatever it was in Mary, it caught the Lord's attention. And what I know about God when I speak about inner beauty, we know that God looks to the heart. Come on, somebody. God looks for the heart. Oh, he's not looking how well you strut. 
He's not looking about you going to Macy's and getting all that good stuff. He's not looking at all the bling you got hanging on. That's all good. Bless the Lord for that. But I promise you that God's eyes transcends the latest fashions. His eyes are better than Superman's. He'll go beyond that hundred, two hundred, a thousand dollar dress. His eyes go beyond those five, six hundred dollar shoes. Oh, his eyes go beyond that $150 hairdo. And he goes straight to the heart. And so I can guarantee you with such sureness that Mary may have not been pretty. I'll prove to you that maybe it was more apt for her not to have been pretty than pretty. And I'll give you scripture in just a little bit. Now, I'm not trying to make her ugly. Relax. But just to prove my point that God wasn't looking at the countenance of her as being, wow, this girl should be in a model magazine. But he loved her inner beauty. That's what it was that would qualify her to the Lord, under the Lord that day. When the Lord sought after an earthly mother for her, his divine son, she would look to Mary and choose and use her because of who she was on the inside. Not my will, but yours be done, O Lord, she said. Nothing is more priceless in a mom than how pretty she is on the inside. In a world today, ladies and gentlemen, that can only teach you about outward aesthetics. I said this years ago, and it just came into my mind right now, but you see television, and you know that everything they offer you on television, I speak to the women and even the men, it's all external. Right? It's all external. Oh, try this. See that wrinkle was there? Think it's gone. Stop believing it. It doesn't work. It does not work. Stop it. They try to fix you up on the outside because you're strutting all that. It's always on the outside, but they never speak of anything concerning the heart. Nothing. I've never seen a commercial other than it being a Christian commercial that speaks to you about Jesus, but everything by Maybelline and Mary Kay and I don't know who else is out there, all they talk about making you pretty on the outside. And that's a sad thing because sometimes women, all they're concerned about is how they look on the outside. But the inside, I'm not going to say anything about that. In a world of tummy tucks and pulls and stretches. I was thinking the other day, let me just talk to you like if you were in my living room, okay? I was thinking the other day, you know, this world is getting filled by Orientals. Now, nah, I'm not a racist. Don't even go there. But Asian people, Orientals, you know why? 
Because I've noticed that whether you'd be Hispanic or black or white or whatever, after you get... You're already thinking it. When you get plastic surgery, you look oriental. And I was thinking in this world, again, I say of plastic surgery, tummy tucks and all these things. And it's okay. You want to do that? That's fine. But I'm wondering if when orientals do plastic surgery, do they look like Mexicans or... Do they reverse the eye stretching or? I don't know. Anyway. But you know, if God's going to love you, he's going to love you because you're beautiful on the inside. He never looks on the outside. He wants you pretty on the inside. Remind me of an illustration and I'm going to begin to close. This is the first time I close. Man, you're slow this morning. <laughs> a small boy made his way to the ladies' section of a large department store to buy his Mother's Day gift. I want to buy my mom a blouse, he told the clerk. But when it came to giving the information as to size, he was something at a loss. Well, it would help, the clerk suggested, if you could tell me if your mother is tall, short, fat, or slim. Oh, he said, she's just perfect. So the clerk wrapped up a size 34 for him. And on Monday, after Mother's Day, his mother came to exchange it for a 52. <laughs> but she was perfect to him. You get it, right? Nothing elevates the value of a mom as does a beautiful heart. Ladies, let us work on inner beauty. I'm not saying that you're not, but there's always room for improvement on all of us. Let God choose you. Let people love you because you're beautiful on the inside. Now let me finish off by telling you why we can suppose that either Joseph or Mary weren't all that good looking. If you'll read Isaiah 53, verse 2, it speaks of Jesus, and I'm not saying that he was their mortal son, but families do look alike sometimes. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire. So was Jesus good looking or not? I don't know. We like to think of him being beautiful because he is our savior. But the pen of the master says there was nothing to attract us to him. And though there was nothing externally to attract us to him, the Bible teaches us the people longed after him. They followed him. They chased after him. They traveled distance to find and to be with him. 
They drew close to him. They would embrace his bosom. They never wanted to leave his sight. And yet there was nothing on him that we could say, wow, that guy is a real good-looking guy. What was it then about Jesus? His heart. And he wants us all, ladies, to have his heart. That's not to stop taking care of yourself externally. You guys are beautiful already. But I'm saying never neglect the inner heart for external things. Because one day, listen to me carefully, the pearls, they won't be able to enhance your looks. One day, the pearl necklaces won't do a thing for you to make you good looking. The hairstyles, they're not going to make you look like you did when you were young. The dressy fashions, you won't be able to wear the high heels anymore. They're not going to help you anymore. But you'll always be beautiful if your heart is beautiful. Let your heart be beautiful this morning. We love you. We honor you. We acknowledge you in the presence of the Lord. And we thank you. Thank you for being a part of our lives. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.